Hi, I'm Leithan Hines and this is How to Fall Apart, a podcast about picking up pieces. As regular listeners will know, usually in this podcast we tend to talk to one person about their own personal experience. For these next few episodes, the support series, very kindly sponsored by Dunn Stores, we've decided to do something slightly different. Can you hear his head screaming? Yes, I can. And I really feel his pain. Over the course of six episodes, I will be chatting to various mental health professionals and other experts about ways we can manage the various challenges we're currently contending with. I'll also be speaking to various people dealing with whatever topic we're covering each week, from parenting to grief to supporting older adults. I hope that this series offers support in some way throughout all of this. Thank you so much to Dunn Stores, whose sponsorship makes this possible. Thank you to Cassie Delaney of Tall Tales Production for the incredible amount of work and attention that she has given this series. And thank you to my brother Dara Hines for both setting me up with my own home studio and for all the music you hear on this podcast. Dunn Stores are proud sponsors of How to Fall Apart, the support series. Always here for our customers. For this first episode, I wanted to focus on how to support children. What to expect in terms of how this situation will manifest in their behaviour and ways in which we might support them. They thought I was being like completely over the top and (laughs) would be rolling their eyes at me um, with all the things that I was saying that they had to do. Little by little, they've kind of realised that, well, everyone else is doing this as well. So, you know, maybe we have to. So the schools closed, yeah, on the kind of Thursday, didn't they? Mm. Or was that when we got word and they closed on Thursday, Friday? Officially? Thursday was the last the day. The thing is, so I have one child in senior infants. I have one child who's in crash, and I have a brand new baby. Mm-hmm. And my usual kind of uh, routine was sort of um, like a three and a half day working week sort of. So they'd go from their kind of crash in school to an after school three days a week. Mm-hmm. So like I really counted on that time to do my work and do my job and have just nice times for myself too my nails for example <laughs> uh, <laughs> they're really suffering I've got one shellac nail hanging on by thread <laughs> and um so my uh, oldest who is in senior infants I guess he just had a really hard time adjusting to school mm. and it's just something that we've kind of as a family um kind of been working on mm. for kind of you know over a year now and we're really lucky that like his school and his teachers are brilliant and he's brill. It's just obviously, they're just different kids and mm. they all find different things different and difficult. And, you know, I think it's just a struggle for him to sit and focus in mm. that kind of really structured environment of a school. But having said that, he really craves the structure. Mm. So I kind of feel like after the first few days of pandemic parenting, where I was just screaming my face off and hating myself by the time I got to bed that night Mm. for just being impatient and just, oh, you know, and just the chaos. And him, you know, I could just see that we were all struggling, basically. So then I implemented a scarily um, regimented (laughs) routine (laughs) that I have clung to like a life raft Mm -hmm. um, in the weeks since. So, I mean, you want me to like talk you through our day? Do it. (laughs) Give us a taster. It's like 30 minute blocks. 
if even 30 minutes because you know the way with kids like like there's virtually no point in being like now that'll entertain them for an hour because that yes. is just a goddamn lie I think that was my first mistake was hour blocks day one as I told you she disappeared on block number two and came back with block her, two her makeup yeah, done. after block one only lasted 10 minutes I know and I do think that's why we're seeing such a deluge of suggestions online because initially I was feeling a bit kind of like hounded by all these lists of do this do that do Mm. this do that and then I was like well actually they keep coming to me 10 minutes later and being like what now mommy what now mommy yes so anyway I just was like we are slow enough getting going in the morning I see no reason to be crazy about it Mm -hmm. Um, and also I have a seven week old so Mm -hmm. you know if I'm trying to catch up on sleep in the mornings like that's going to be better for everyone in terms of just yeah you know me not being insane for the day yes I have two kids well three kids Mm -hmm. um my eldest is in university in Mm -hmm. Rada in London and Mm -hmm. she's locked in in London in her apartment with her boyfriend and Kat uh, she's Chloe and she is 23 and mm. then I have a daughter Hallie who's doing the leaving she's 18 and a son Ronnie who is 15 and doing the junior cert oh my goodness you have both exams oh yeah double whammy I was gonna ask how both of them but particularly your 18 year old leaving cert student Hallie coping with the uncertainty of you know the exams are they going to happen how is she going to you know get her results all that kind of stuff how, how is she going to see the value of all the work she's put in how is she coping with that uncertainty she's not coping yeah. well actually no she is she's she, Hallie's worked out like an absolutely incredible system where she is just taking it kind of day to day and um, she's more more or less like she's inputting strategies to kind of help with stress um she's inputting um kind of she's changing uh the way she's kind of looking at courses like her cao has been filled out um so she's kind of looking at other routes mm-hmm. um of of ways of getting to do what she wants to do mm-hmm. um and uh she's taking like plenty of exercise she's doing yoga mm-hmm. meditation um you know she's really helping herself to mm. kind of make the best of of this situation i start by talking to chartered clinical psychologist dr nicola mcglade about where children and teenagers seek support and how we can be mindful of their needs children and teenagers often take a lead from us the parents or the adults that they're around in terms of how how to respond to how to cope with what's going on so they model our behavior so it's really important that we're not overly worried or overly anxious um, or displaying that um, in their presence and because if we're anxious and we're panicky then the chances are that's going to rub off on them and they're going to present anxious and panicky too Um, I think any any given that this is an unprecedented time, there's very normal responses that we're all experiencing that don't need to be pathologized 
Um, so we're going to find, you know, people who have a tendency towards compulsive or addictive behaviours, they're going to be more vulnerable now and you'll probably, they'll probably notice a resurgence of it. Yeah. So I think yeah. for parents, you know your own children and you know your own children when there's something is not right. Mm-hmm. Okay. So um, if you have a child who maybe does have a tendency towards ritualistic behaviour, you might notice an increase in that. Mm-hmm. Um if you do have a child who tends to be a little bit more anxious and needs a bit more reassurance, you'll probably find that they'll need that they will be more anxious right now and probably will need a little bit more reassurance. And that's all very, very normal. Younger kids tend to turn to their parents more for reassurance, yeah. whereas teenagers tend to turn to their peers more for reassurance. Really important that they're allowed to do that um, and supported in doing that. In, in looking at kind of how we can support our kids, if we notice, you know, beyond the general tips I already spoke about, those kids who might need that extra little bit of support who we might notice are either getting quite anxious, angry, frustrated, or maybe gone quiet and they're tending to withdraw a little bit more. Mm. I think it's really important that um, that children know that they can come and talk to you. Mm. Okay. And I think that's really important. And it's really important for us as parents to listen our 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 natural instinct can often be to brush it over and everything's okay and we're all fine and this isn't a problem and we're going to come through this and it's going to be you know and and isn't this wonderful and and kind of brush it off mm-hmm. and i think that's that's a mistake that we really need to listen to our children mm-hmm. we really need to validate their feelings and their feelings may be different to yours mm-hmm. we need to validate their feelings mm-hmm. because whatever they're feeling is right for them so you were saying you know your own child and you kind of... Yeah, you, you know your own child. I mean, there's, there's uh, and so you'll know when they need that extra little bit of support and a little bit of help. Um, yeah. You'll know when, when they're not feeling right. And I suppose there's some general tips that we can all follow mm-hmm. that, that can be quite helpful at the moment. I mean, the first one is, it's very simple, maintaining a routine. Okay. So I hear of lots of parents there, you know, most people are getting up at the same time, getting dressed, having breakfast. Uh, Some are going out for a walk just to keep that routine of walking to school. Some are going for a walk, coming home and then getting down to doing a little bit of schoolwork, Mm. breaks, you know, um, I suppose mixing in the bit of technology time, TV time, art time, general relaxing free play time, and then maybe, you know, lunch, a bit more work. So keeping a routine Mm. is, is very good for all of us, particularly when we're in that mode where days run into each other and no one knows what day of the week it is. Mm. Um, <laughs> you know, yes. it's good to keep keep the routine going and as much as possible. Mm. Um, that can also promote a sense of control for kids because one of the things a lot of children might be feeling is just this lack of control. Absolutely. Um, and when we tend to get anxious and worry, we tend to focus on things that are outside of our control. So having things that we can control brings us back into focusing on what's controllable and that's we need to control the controllable and leave the rest. As I say, Elsa, the rest, let it go. <laughs> um, but um, then also we, what we can do as well is support um, our kids in keeping in contact with others, social contact. So, I mean, I know the WhatsApp um, parties are happening, um, WhatsApp catch-ups, 
Um, my eldest has Zoom, so he's on Zoom to his friends quite a bit. They seem to be doing their schoolwork together on Zoom. Not sure how, how well that's going, but they're <laughs> at it and they seem busy and they're producing work mm-hmm. more than he was before he found Zoom. Um, you know, FaceTime, Skype, mm. and um, they can organize, you know, uh, book clubs, chatting about a book with their friends or doing a quiz or even coloring the same picture together. Something that just connects them and makes it a little bit more like school. Yes. And whether they yeah. do that with one friend or with five friends, mm. um, you know, that can be a nice thing to do. And the same with keeping in contact with um, other members of the family. Mm. So grandparents who may be cocooning, um cousins you know keep just keeping in contact with people but the video calling is nice because it's a little bit more real for them Um, and um other than keeping active so i think uh, joe wicks is is has has really taken off with his um morning time pe class but it's very important for kids to keep active and that distracts them as well and it also it 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 kind of burns energy and it's very good for relieving symptoms of anxiety or vulnerability or low mood so we need to validate their feelings and 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 let them know we've heard them so i hear i i understand your anger or what you're describing sounds like you're quite frustrated for younger kids you might have to put the words on it but we really need to listen to them validate their feelings and then normalize it going this is actually quite normal because it's a really unusual situation we're in and I've never experienced this situation before in my life Mm. I'm actually feeling quite anxious too or I'm feeling quite cross as well or I'm feeling quite frustrated or I'm feeling all of those things Mm. because we probably are all feeling all of those things so to normalize it so that's listen validate feelings normalize Mm. and then reassure um you know that this will end but also then to help them focus on the controllable. So what are the things that are within our control? Mm -hmm. And to help them focus more on that, what are the controllable things? And the the different things, isn't it nice that you're able to uh, call your friends on Zoom and aren't we lucky that we have that? Or isn't it nice that that we're getting to spend more time at home and watch movies together? Um, and then we can, then it's kind of about, so when we've done the listening, the validating, the normalizing and the reassuring, then and then helping them focus on the controllable, then it's about kind of moving into the distracting them from their thoughts that are quite, that are fueling this mm-hmm. through action. So kind of the distract and redirect approach. So redirecting attention to something controllable, redirecting their attention to something, some sort of activity. So, and, and our tendency, as I said, can be to jump straight to the distract and redirect. Mm, yes. And yes. that's the bit that I'd, I'd, I'd caution people against. Listen, validate feelings, normalize, reassure, and then distract and redirect. The other thing I wanted to mention, there is a really, there is a really good, for younger kids, yeah. there's a very good clip on YouTube. Okay. So if you go to YouTube and put in, Grandpa Tom talks about coronavirus. Okay. Uh, and it's this uh, guy, Grandpa, and he's using the the toys from the movie Inside Out. Oh yeah. Just to talk about coronavirus and the impact it can have on us, all the different parts of us. So it's actually I watched it this morning. It's a really nice one. I think younger kids could could really relate to it. That's a brilliant idea. I think one of the hardest things for us all right now is living in uncertainty. You know, I'm sure you probably feel the same as me. I can't see any 
school reopen before no, September, really. Not, no. um, and I don't know whether to tell them that I'm kind of hinting at that, but I don't know whether that would make it more difficult for them to get through the next few weeks if they if they're doing it week by week, maybe mm. it's easier for them. Mm. Um, the thoughts of like a five months without seeing their friends is very difficult. It's very um, difficult, isn't it? I think it's just really important to kind of use the just taking control of what's in your own world and what you can do yeah. and not looking too far outwards. There's no playbook and we're concerned with how to manage the expectations of our children when we ourselves have no answers. It's something I bring up when I talk to Dr. Tony Bates. Young people developmentally mm. are in the process of trying to become their own person, mm. to move away from family. Mm. And to be, for those that have had to go home and to be with their family is, I think must be very hard because they, they've been developing an independence and inevitably when they return home, they go back to the way they always behaved. Mm. So, so they, they find they're not happy with their own behavior and their parents are certainly not happy with their behavior. Mm. And the whole thing becomes very fraught and tense. Mm. And I think that's what's so difficult. As well as that, they all the people in their life that, that if you like, if, if for a young person, identity is a very um, fragile thing. Mm. And it's sustained on a daily basis through contact and relationship and through activities like even being at school or being in college. Um, those activities give me a sense of who I am and who I am becoming. Mm. And when you just take away all those things, um, I'm left with a much more fragile sense of identity. Um, I'm not sure who I am. And I think what happens is that they become very afraid. Okay. Afraid that they're simply not going to make it, that they don't have what it takes. And, and a feeling of failure that they're not living up to what's expected of them or what's being asked of them you know, all these online school courses, college courses, you know, this is a, this is a great time for you to catch up with your English essays. Yeah, and yeah. Oh, th Those kind of things, you know, are not happening. And they're not happening because they're, they're, their inner life is falling apart, actually. Mm -hmm. and, and, and they, they are, uh, it's taking a lot of energy just to maintain um, even a fragile sense of identity. Mm. And so they they don't have a lot of excess energy to plow into, yes. um, you know, solving calculus, maths problems, and so on. Mm. So I, I think that they feel um, inwardly very confused. I think they feel afraid. Um, I think that uh, with all young people, distress is more likely to come out in in what we might call bad behaviour. Mm -hmm. So. Um, when a young person's really upset, they often take it out of the world um, uh, because I can't bear the feeling that I'm, I'm a loser, mm. but I can certainly tell you that you're a loser yeah. and the whole world is, is a mess. Mm. Um, and so, you know, they project their inner distress out onto the world and their parents and they, they act it out. And of course, this makes them entirely dislikable. Um, <laughs> and... You know, it's it's very hard for parents to to I think live through those times with young people, and yet it's terribly important 
that they do and they don't write them off. They don't throw them out the door. They don't, mm. you know, murder them, mm. you know. Um, they may have feelings that they want to and that's <laughs> perfectly understandable. <laughs> but it's really important that they, they realise that in spite of the young person behaving as though they're, uh, their parents are completely irrelevant in their life. Never before have they needed parents so much. Um, they need the, the security, the limiting, the, the, the sort of the limits that are set yeah. on things. Yeah. Um, and they need, they need, you know, um, somebody to believe in them because they're not finding it easy to keep believing in themselves okay because um, uh, there's some of the things that strike me about young people and those are the ways you use the phrase there to live through it with them so I suppose what you're describing there of like being uh, providing those limits encouraging them they can do with that is that how you would suggest parents can kind of live through this with them and remain uh, there you know show that. I think um I think with little ch- children mm. you know um when parents get advice about how to cope, it's generally all about things they need to be doing with mm-hmm. the little children. Mm-hmm. You know, they need to set limits, set up a routine, set a structure, have a certain part of the day we go to school, a certain part of the day we watch Netflix and, you know, so on. All of those things are very important and good. With young people, it, it's kind of not so much what you're doing with them. It's what you're doing with yourself. It's, it's that you're, you're keeping your own feet steady on the ground. You're keeping the house ticking over. Mm-hmm. You're keeping normality ticking over insofar as that's possible. Mm-hmm. And you're not doing anything directly with the young person other than not killing them. Um, you know, but you, 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 you are maintaining... Um, some security in their world okay uh, and you're believing in them in your heart you're not giving up on them okay um, uh, no matter how much they provoke you um, and i think that is um it's it's you know it's it's much more subtle and it's a more complex um ask of parents um because, you know, as somebody said, the only cure for adolescence is time. And, and there's a wisdom in that. Um, you know, the, the, that we, 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 have to, um, we have to leave the ball in play a lot of the time. We have to trust that the process of time, they will come around. And I think we all have experiences in our own lives of being horrendous adolescents mm. and then we came around to really appreciating and loving our parents mm. for what they did mm. and just for being steady during those years mm. we thought they were boring mm. we thought they were complete idiots but you know actually they were steady and yeah. they kept normality in place so uh, you know meals on the table you're just very steady things not asking too many questions and never asking the question why do you feel that way? You know, that is the worst question to ask any adolescents, okay? okay. First of all, they have the language to answer it, mm. and they don't know why, you mm. know. Um, so just accept that they're feeling the turbulence is the name of the game and that they are they're struggling in ways they cannot articulate. Mm. They can't walk down to the kitchen table or sit down at the kitchen table and say, I'm having a real 
difficulty with my identity. I feel very fragile. I'm falling apart. I don't know what to do. I feel so guilty and ashamed of the, what I'm, how little I'm getting done. They, they don't talk like that. Maybe some young girls do. They're, they're, they're more likely to be chatty with their parents. But most of what is experienced as distress is not turned into words. Mm -hmm. And I, I, so we have to, you know, we have to read the body language and we have to figure out what might be happening behind it. Yeah. And we have to leave them alone, you know, but be consistent, with, be consistent. With smaller children, I've noticed. Sorry, can you hear me now? Yes, yeah. sure. Sorry, with with smaller children, I've noticed my daughter's nearly six and she, in the last few days, keeps saying, I want to punch you. I want to punch you, mommy. And now she's saying it with a smile, but it's not something she's ever said before. And I, I know that it feels like a version of what you're describing there uh, coming out where she's frustrated because she's not seeing her friends and that. And um, Well, that's wonderful. That's really marvelous. You know, because that's because she can communicate that. OK. And, and that's exactly what I'm saying. You know, it's it, it's. I'm having feelings that I don't even like in mm. myself, but mm. I'm feeling them and I'm feeling them very strong, mm -hmm. strongly. And, and, and I, it's, it's doubly hard when I can't make sense of them, when I can't confide them in someone. But when I can go up to you and say, I want to punch you, that is brilliant. Okay, you that's know, reassuring. I mean, I remember my son, now this is maybe not some advice you want to take, but it worked <laughs> really, really well for me. He was, let me see now. He was probably nine. Mm. Um, and he was, we were cooped up in America in a snowstorm for a long time. And mm. I noticed him one day, he was just becoming a real pain in the neck, you know, he was mm. acting out and, um, uh, and annoying his brother and sister and all the rest. And, and I, I thought, <laughs> I was reading the paper and I remember having the thought, somebody should do something with this guy, you know, somebody should sort him out. And then I realized, hold on a minute, I'm actually the parent. I'm the one who's meant to do it. So I said to him, come on upstairs. So I brought him upstairs. Again, icy, windy, snowy day. And um, uh, we were in the bedroom. And I said, I said, you're all frustrated. Let's have a fight, you know. Mm -hmm. And I said, give me your best shot, mm -hmm. you know. And so I allowed him to punch me. Mm -hmm. um, and boy, did he get into it. <laughs> Uh, I just concentrated on keeping my face covered and my groin covered, <laughs> which became a target of some unconscious <laughs> animal instinct. Um, he, he, you know, and uh, he punched away and I just laughed. It was important not to let him feel he was hurting me in any way. Mm. And I just laughed and said, ah, you're just tickling me. You're just tickling, you know. And, yeah. and he then got more and more intense. And yeah. boy, did he get into it. And, um, you know, uh, I... I I, I, you know, I, I, I made some remark, you know, which wasn't nice. Um, I'd said, Gosh, you're, you're very weak or something like that, you mm. know, and um, maybe not even as kind as that. And then at the end of all this, he was like a guy standing six foot tall. I was wrecked. <laughs> and I said to him, well, I'm never going to call you weak again. And he marched downstairs and my wife looked at me and she said, what the hell happened to you? And what I hadn't realized is that he had, cut my face in about 30 places little cuts oh my god but i didn't feel them even you know okay uh, and i had to go to work and i was sort of vice president of the center for cognitive <laughs> therapy over in philadelphia the next day and 
you know, people looked at me, but <laughs> I didn't even try to explain. But the point was, that was um, a defining moment. And mm. he remembers it still. He's now 41. He's a teacher. He's, he's mm. since he's got out of prison, he's a nice guy. <laughs> um, no, he's, he's not out of prison. Um, but he, he is fine and he's got his kids and he's getting on great with them. But, uh, you know, I think there are times when in a loving way, we might think of ways for your, like your daughter to work out some of that tension, mm. but not letting her hurt you, mm. um, but maybe punching your hands. You know, these the way you can yes. get pads in your yeah. hands and yeah. she can box, yeah. you know, they yeah. train boxers yeah. Or, yeah. or maybe you have a cushion and she can. Yeah. But, you know, those kind of things, I think, are very important because she doesn't have language. Yeah. Um, and then if you want to get into language and help her express them, I think, first of all, physically is good. But then I think also even just drawing. And you could say, you know, what color is happiness for you? And what color is sadness for you? And what color is the feeling you have now? Mm. what color is that you okay. know and and just get her to express on a page the different colors and again we're not asking why do you feel that um you're just allowing someone to be aware of that and integrate it okay. they don't have to repress it mm. um i don't think i would ever have been allowed to say that to my parents mm. um or else i was too inhibited but you know that's a great safety that she feels with you that she can say okay. that and I don't need to redirect it we don't need to redirect it away from the parent so because I said to her do you want to punch cushions and she said no I want to punch you yeah that's okay so so so, so then I'd say well let's let's see about a way to do that that doesn't hurt me okay, okay. you know and, and I so I'm going to hold the cushion here so yes. now you can hit the cushion you know yeah, yeah. she doesn't want to hurt you and yeah. it would traumatize if she did yeah probably. no I know that but uh, yeah. yeah 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 so so she but she needs a safe outlet yeah um, okay, okay. And, and so a parent is a safe outlet trusting you to say it uh, mm. to me it's it's an extraordinary opportunity and then you know when you're finished with the the release of tension mm-hmm. um uh or, or even even if you didn't get to physically doing it and say well, tell me what you'd like to do you know mm-hmm. you'd like to punch me where do you want to punch me mm-hmm. where do you feel you know how hard mm-hmm. do you want to punch me how often do you want to punch me you could have a conversation mm-hmm. but as she is able to express this mm-hmm. you can then you know sit down and say let's think about what's happened mm-hmm. you know and that's where a young person or even an adolescent might be open to some kind of formulation you know that that you know, this is a really hard time, you mm. know, and my three-year-old grandson um, mentioned my son, his son, mm. you know, the other, he's, he's, well, he's four this week, so I should call him a four-year-old, mm. but he, he um, very suddenly started to cry last week, and he, I'm in Sligo on a cliff at the northwest, and he's down in Dublin, and he started to cry because we have a very good relationship. And he said, I really miss Gaga and I'm worried he might die. And he, he, he started to articulate these things that surprised Andrew incredibly. He didn't think he could be so tuned in mm. to, 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 you know, the, the dark elements of what we're going through. And, and yet he was. Mm. Um, so he, he very quickly texted me and said, for God's sake, will you make a, a video for this guy? Mm. Which I did. Mm. I spoke to him 
and I showed him me and I took him around the house and showed him all the places he knows and what I'm doing. And, you know, that, I, I think that's the other thing about children and your daughter is a very good example. Let's never underestimate how much they're picking up of what's happening. Mm-hmm. And let's try and do Mr. Rogers on that. And let's try to make sense of what's happening, not in a dumbed down way, mm-hmm. but not in a frightening way, mm-hmm. you know. But, mm-hmm. but um, so all my grandchildren know about Corona and they know that it's, it's, it's a bit of a bugger and mm-hmm. that it can make people sick and that we're trying to stay apart so we don't get sick. Mm. Um, and we're trying to mind each other and they can get that that's mm-hmm. fine okay you know? if a child goes the other way uh, one listener actually sent in this query so her daughter's seven she's going quiet instead of putting it out she's going in and this parent wants is trying to make her uh, video call her friends and when she does she enjoys it but she has to force her and she's wondering should she force her to do that or when the child goes in on herself should she kind of leave her be and kind of let her let that mood pass. Well, you see, I think that's far more likely what we'll meet and see out there. I, I, as I say, I think your daughter's exceptional in that she can express directly what she wants to do. Um, I, I would just take it for granted that every other child has similar emotions they inside, um, and they don't know what to do with them and. You know, you could hypothesize forever as to what's going on with this kid. She may be so grief-stricken at not seeing her friends that it's 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 at some level it's very upsetting to mm. have contact with them. Yes. At some level, it's reassuring. At some other level, it's she avoids it because she doesn't know why, but she just it just reminds her of her grief. Mm. You know, mm. so we don't know. I I think with children like that, I think the secret is to come at things sideways. Mm-hmm. Um, to really not go directly for the hit, you know, what's mm. going on here, you mm. know, but to, you know, she's seven. Um, but, you know, let's, let's draw a picture of our house and then all the people in it. And let's draw a picture of other people in our life. And, and of course they're all out here now and they're in their houses. So we draw the little houses around and other people are in it. And, you know, we begin to map out the world that this child is living in. Mm-hmm. And then, um, you know, and then you can ask them, and, 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 and there's you in your house, and there's Mary in her house. And how does Mary feel, do you think? Mm-hmm. You know, how does Johnny feel? Mm-hmm. He's not at school. And, you know, by, again, getting her to tell the story of her feelings through other people, mm-hmm. um, but in a very safe, gentle way, nothing too emotional, just, and then what does, what do you feel? That, that then you can come back, you know? Mm. So then, so here's the picture of our of your life and it's tough, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and what's good about FaceTiming them, you know, um, and what's not good about it? You know, again, to be very open that we don't necessarily know what's really bothering them. Mm-hmm. So we, 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 we throw out a very wide net okay. and we come at things mm-hmm. and then um, allow them in their own time, in their own way. And mm-hmm. if I've learned anything from 42 years of psychology, whenever I do that, I find an answer from somebody which is utterly different than what I thought was going on. Mm-hmm. I've never really got it 
precisely okay. right. Okay. I think I have. Yeah. I think I know exactly what's going on with them. And then I ask a very open question in a more creative way. And what I get back is some nuanced reply that's just right on the money, but mm. it's, it's not where I was, okay. you know? So, okay. so I think that the lesson of psychology is always try to mm. find ways for people to tell you what's happening rather than try and figure out what's okay. happening. Yeah, that makes total sense. Um, for parents, so obviously we're hearing so much talk about routine and structure, and those are obviously ideals. Um, but say for parents who are in a situation where they're really not able to get a routine. For example, for the first two weeks of this, I was living with just my daughter before we came to my parents' house. And I work full time and that has to keep going. And it got really difficult because she was getting quite anxious and I felt like I was having the TV on much more than I'd want and trying to give her time. And for parents who are in that situation and feeling kind of guilty and anxious, is there something that we can say to kind of reassure them that, you know, we're not all going to be able to do the routine and the structure, but your kids will be okay? Yeah, I mean, um, there is no map for this Mm. time that we're in. Mm. There's no psychology book out there for parents on how to live through corona. Mm. Um, This is, we're making this up, Mm. you know, and I think the first thing I'd say is that I don't know how many weeks I'm in this. It feels like about four years, but, you know, um, I, I would say now it's only this week I'm beginning to really... Um, fall into a rhythm uh, mm-hmm. where I get a number of things done in, in some kind of productive way. Mm-hmm. I, I was always getting one or two things done and missing out on others and some days I was getting nothing done you mm-hmm. know but I, I found it quite difficult to adjust uh, to, to using the time creatively and productively mm-hmm. and I've had to slow down, I've had to you know really rework my own expectations and that takes time and the first thing I'd say to that parent is, look, you know, it takes time. What, whatever we have to do, we don't know what that is. We have to figure it out. It takes time to get there. Mm-hmm. You know, it takes time. Mm-hmm. So you think about, like, what's maybe one thing I could work on this week? Mm-hmm. What might be one thing? One thing, you know. It may be the one hour of creative play that you do. Um, and, and then I, I think the parent... It's, 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 I think we can't say it enough, but with parents, it has to be me first, me first, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. you put the oxygen mask on yourself Mm -hmm. before you put it on your child. Mm -hmm. And I mean, that's a cliche and it's been said too often, but it's terribly important. Mm -hmm. You need that parent, any parent uh, needs to find some ways of resourcing themselves so they can, you know, worked through this very difficult time Mm. um so i would say one thing and me first i spoke to joanna fortune clinical psychotherapist and author of 15 minute parenting the quick and easy way to connect with your child in terms of exposing them to the uncertainty of our situation, so for example, yesterday I was going for a walk with my daughter who's nearly six, five and three quarters specifically, as she would say herself. Very important. <laughs> yeah. um, and 
she asked me, when is the virus going to be gone? And I said, oh, very soon, a few days or a few weeks. Now, she wouldn't have a sense of time. So but I did then catch myself and think, is saying a few days, you know, setting up expectations that are definitely not going to be met? And how should I handle that with the child who has, you know, wouldn't have the sense of time? But still, I feel like I need to be honest in some ways with her, obviously. That's such a good question. And again, it's useful in general because you're quite right. Time is an abstract notion for Mm. children. It's as simple as when we say to them, we're leaving this place in 10 minutes. We Mm. may as well say two weeks. Like it makes absolutely no sense. That's why they react so negatively when we say it's time to go as if we hadn't already told them Uh, because they don't know what that means. It's still happening to them rather than with them. Mm. So I tend towards a more visual piece um, in general. Like if if we were using the 10, 15 minute analogy, I use a sand timer and I say when all the sand hits the bottom, Mm. the TV goes off or it's bedtime or whatever it is, Mm. the play date is over. But with what you're talking about, it's a more kind of we don't know how long this is going to go on for. And one of the things we want to avoid is is inadvertently lying. Yeah. So if she was now to come back to you and say, you said a few days, you can take responsibility for that and say, you're right. I did say that. And I really believed that to be true. And I hoped it was. But now we have new information that says it's going to be longer. And in general, try not to get into days, weeks, months, mm-hmm. but maybe link it to a seasonal time by the time it's the summer or by the time it's we're getting ready to go back to school, things will be normal again because that they can relate to. Mm. They know it's not soon, but it's not too far away at the same time. So and it's something you're going to have to keep checking in on and also give yourself permission to not know the answer and to say that mm. to say, God, that's such a good question. You know, I ask myself that a lot every day. And the true answer is, I don't know when this is going to be over. And that's really hard not to know. But as soon as I do know, I'm going to make sure you know. I'm going to sit down and talk to you about it. What we know is that the way things are at the moment is going to go on for another two weeks. And then the government are going to give us new messages and new information. And we'll know more then. Obviously, in a perfect situation, which this is so far from, you know, we'd be all both uh, writing out our routines and our schedules, but also sticking to them, whatever. But obviously, most people or a huge percentage of people are going to be in a position where they're also facing a work schedule and commitments and deadlines that they have to meet. And one of the things I've found and I've seen friends struggling with is that as our children are getting kind of anxious, they are obviously becoming more clingy and it, you know, needing much more engaged attention with us. Like I noticed my own daughter slightly losing her ability to play by herself, yeah. which she would be yeah. really good at. Um, how do you kind of like in a really realistic way that kind of takes account of the fact that parents are, you know, trying to keep their careers afloat and they've got deadlines and employers will be understanding. But there are, you know, there just are commitments, other commitments. How can we manage in that situation where a child is anxious, but we don't feel like we're able to give them, you know, maybe it's in the moment or even across a few days, the hours that we ideally they think they need? How do you kind of manage that situation? Yeah, I mean, it's I think this multiplicity of roles, I know I'm, I'm hearing lots of people say, oh, it's such a great time. You know, you've got all this time to <laughs> I'm going, I don't know who those people are, but if you're trying to work and be somewhat of a teacher and oh by the way parent and do all of that without childcare support Mm. I think actually you've got to give yourself a break that getting it mostly right most of the time is good enough and good enough is good enough on this one I think um, what you have to do 
is protect the play space with your child because that is how they relate and are related to. It's how they understand and process everything going on in their day. And they want that connection with us Mm -hmm. because what that's saying is I'm actually a little bit you know, I've got some heebie-jeebies, I've got some uh uh-oh feelings, I'm just not managing on my own, and I need you to help me know that this is okay. Mm. And the way I do that is through play and asking you to play with me because play is my language. That is exactly how I process and understand things in the world. Mm. So I would say, I usually ask people to do 15 minutes of mindful play a day, and what I mean by that is when you're playing, you're playing. That's the only job you have to do. Be that for 15 unbroken minutes or be that if you have longer, fantastic. And really give yourself over no phones, no doorbells, no emails, no other distractions. I am 100% with you. And what you're doing in that is you're topping up their little love cup and that's going to get them over Mm -hmm. the next period of time that you have to do something. Now, In this climate, when our children don't have access to their regular structure, the level, you know, waves of stimulus they have, be it with school or preschool or creche and with their little peers and all of the things that they're missing in their life as well, we are all they have. So one burst of 15 minutes of play probably isn't enough in a day now. You might need to do 15 minutes in the morning, Mm. um, a 15 minute break in the afternoon and 15 minutes before bed so that they know I can anticipate with certainty that you will come to me and play at this level. And I am less likely to have to pull out of you and need of you because I know you keep coming back to me to top up my little love cup when I need it. So you might start the day together that you get up, get dressed, have breakfast, do some kind of a workout, do one of those online PE workouts or just do a silly dance, play a song for three to five minutes and everybody dance and flail your arms around. And you're starting the day in a very co-regulated way through rhythm and synchrony. Then you explain here's something you set them a task, especially if they're school aged and they have a little bit of school work to do. And while you're doing that, I'm going to do and you say what you're going to do. And then we're going to come back and I'll check yours and we can check in and have a play. And you do it in waves like that. I think it's about structure. And I think it's also about understanding that our own work productivity might not be at the level we really want it to be. And many of us are having to work later at night when Mm. everybody's gone to bed Mm. just to kind of catch up. But during the day, if you think if I got a good hour done and then took a break or if they're older, if I could get a good two hours done Mm. and set them a task, then come in and play together, then go and do two hours, come back and then go and do two hours and come back. Mm. that kind of a structure is what I'm talking about but you're breaking up those hours with mindful unbroken play and that can be either led by you Mm. so that you come in with a balloon for example that's blown up and you say okay guys let's play for a while Um, I've got some time before I have to go back again if you've one of those sand timers a 15 minute one or if it's a five minute one you turn it three times and say when all the sand hits the bottom I've got to go back to work Finally, it's common sense that we can't support our children if we're not effectively looking after ourselves in as much as we can manage anyway at the moment. It's also hard, I think, as well for parents because we're having these more anxious days than we normally would have. Yeah. And yet you still have this huge responsibility as a parent to kind of keep an eye on the emotions of your children at the same time. Exactly. So I had kind of a bad day on Wednesday where I just woke up feeling really sad and mm. worried and I couldn't shake it. And, but I felt this huge pressure not to show it too much at home. My husband's out working, so I'm at home. Okay. And I felt that I really shouldn't let them see that too much because I didn't want to, you know, make them anxious. And that's kind of 
hard as well because we, mm. we're all having difficult days um where you're trying to stay positive but sometimes it just gets too much um and I think everyone I've been talking to seems to be having those days where they don't for no particular reason nothing has happened that day but just the overwhelming news reports coming in or just feeling like oh here we go again it's the same day again mm. um yeah and as a parent then you're trying to sort of minimize your own levels of stress in front of them because you don't want them to be affected by that as well and there's no outlet for that there's no you can't just get in your car and go for a drive or totally. go meet your friends like mm. you normally would when i talk to sleep consultant lucy wolf about managing my child's sleep she reminds me to consider my own habits my own daughter for example uh who you know quarter to six uh five and three quarters nearly six um has started for the first time in her life which I'm sure you're seeing so much of getting really vivid nightmares yeah to the point where now she's much better now because we're with my parents but when we were in our own house for the two weeks just the two of us she was there was points where she didn't want to go to sleep because she said the dreams will come she had to have the lights on um, she was she woke in the middle of the night one time there was one day where the all next day she kept saying she described it really vividly and then there was somebody had been shooting arrows at her arm and there was a lot of chat throughout the day and then it was you know oh, I'm okay now with the arrows they're not hurting me or whatever so I suppose I guess that's something you're seeing a lot of at the moment this is definitely really common at the moment mm. And is there anything that we can do? Like, I suppose my my worry, and I ask this for myself as well, because mm. I'm having really vivid dreams. And then the next day you wake up and you're kind of exhausted. You feel like you haven't had that restorative sleep that you've been kind of on the go. Yeah. If you know, if you know, know. what I mean. Um, yeah, no, totally. Is that true that we're getting a lesser quality sleep if we're having that kind of anxious? Because it's disturbed. Yeah. yeah. And I suppose it's stressful. Yeah. And so anxiety levels are higher. Mm. So I suppose we have to remember our good sleep practices mm. despite the fact we're living in unusual timings okay you know in, in unusual times really okay. is what I should say okay so what would you advise then for parents who are are there I presume there's other um kind of sleep interruptions like bedwetting and just general waking yeah and like I'm seeing on. a lot of emotional um dynamics really clingy okay yeah kids that normally are able to be left are not able to be left okay and uh, just higher levels of anxiety actually Really? Okay. And within a situation like this where like all the professionals I've spoken to so far have all kind of said something along the lines of this, these behaviour and these reactions are normal because they're happening within context. Yeah. And that's the same for what we're talking about here. So how do you manage those sleep disruptions and problems and interruptions and all the rest, given, you know, I suppose you want to try and minimise creating a long-term problem with their sleep. Yes. But at the same time, you and know, sometimes there's we a have reason. to forget about that almost, you know. Yeah, oh, do that, we? Okay. That's, yeah, yeah, I kind of think that we yeah. do. Yeah. In, but yes, always we're trying to avoid long-term problems. Yeah. That will always be the driving force. But sometimes I feel that the situation that stands in front of us. Yes, exactly. It, it just has to be prioritised. Mm. And that it's a bit like, you know, they're saying, look, if you do the homework, do it. But if you can't, we'll get them all to catch up later. Yes. And I feel it's it's a little bit the same with the sleep yeah. Okay. If your child is presenting. Now, look, my own kids, they're having the time of their lives. <laughs> like this is their best time. Like this is going to go down, a, you know, a, along with someone's funeral as being their best. Like that's what they're like, you know, like. Behind the scenes, then we would try to make sure that our children are not becoming overtired. So, you know, you described there about the vivid dreams and feeling not well rested. Mm -hmm. 
So really quite quickly, we can get into an overtired cycle. So we definitely don't want that to happen because the more overtired children become, the more heightened all the tendencies that you're reporting become. Okay. And then they turn into a sleep problem. So they're caused by one thing. So the emotional overload Mm -hmm. of what's happening. And then they slowly degrade sleep. And then as a result, sleep it in of itself becomes the problem. So I definitely want to try and avoid that with people. Okay. So I will want to maybe look at bringing bedtimes earlier, mm-hmm. especially if your child is seeming tired sooner than even they normally go to bed. Okay. Very important, more than ever before now mm-hmm. to have a regular wake time. Okay. For everyone. And I think, mm-hmm. yeah, for everyone. Like, so I'd nearly earmark 7.30 a.m. if you can. Mm-hmm. Or before, okay. where you get up and you expose yourselves to bright and natural light. And we use light and dark, obviously, throughout the course of the day to, in, you know, to encourage sleep and alertness. OK. You know, um, but I suppose the other thing for us as adults, and I find this myself and I'm working as if I, as, as normal, mm-hmm. I'm definitely eating differently, mm. eating more mm-hmm. and not eating great. Mm. And I think we need to look at that. We need to look at our intake of caffeine. Mm and caffeinated substances, mm. because these all have a detrimental impact and they do leave us then more vulnerable to disturb sleep. Yes. And this sort of these the nightmare slash vivid dreams that parent people are reporting. We had a query from one listener whose son is on the autistic spectrum. I suppose I'm looking for how best to support a six-year-old with limited language skills, verbal but non-conversational, i.e. he wouldn't understand an explanation of the virus. He's having some behavioural issues and getting easily frustrated, screaming or hitting out, is getting extremely attached to mum, me, and is showing increased stimming. I think it's all related to the change in the routine, no school, no minder, both parents at home. I spoke to clinical psychologist Alwyn Finnegan, who specialises in this area. I suppose my, my first thought is that probably the child's reaction is all about anxiety. Mm. All those different things that you're describing can be a reflection of a child's anxiety. Um, and in terms of what to do, how to help, the first thing I'm thinking is that the mother, both parents, if possible, they need to mind themselves first. Mm. They need to take care of their own mental health. And that might sound obvious, but actually it's really vital. Mm. That whole idea of, you know, put on your own mask first mm-hmm. that they say on the airplanes um, the whole idea of that is that if she can be calm in her responses to her child everything will be better everything full stop that's the most important thing that parents can do is keep themselves right so whatever they need to do for that um, in terms of practical things they can do the routine and the predictability is vital for children on the autism spectrum mm-hmm. so anything that can make it as predictable and routine within the current constraints obviously is going to be helpful so using a schedule with photos or objects so that they know what's coming up maybe keeping it fairly short two or three items at a time because that's easier for the child to take in when they're stressed Mm. for some kids they like a longer schedule but something that visually shows them what's happening throughout the day but just that's very calming Mm. because it makes things you you know what's happening and that's reassuring one of the other things, I suppose, that that idea that the child wants to be close to her all the time, that's really understandable. You know, it's really sensible when they can sense anxiety in the air and they're not really sure perhaps what it's about. You stay close to the person who keeps you safe. So we don't want to discourage that, even though I know that can be pretty hard for parents when they just can't go to the bathroom on their own. Yeah. But 
I suppose it's worth bearing in mind. Think of how you would respond to to a child who's maybe a little bit younger, because often that's what happened when kids are stressed and trying to keep close. They may act like a younger child. So you might need to respond by more listening, giving more comfort, more touch, um, as you might do with a smaller child, mm-hmm. particularly the, the less language focused stuff. So the chat might not be reassuring, but more touch, more holding, more eye contact mm-hmm. um, might help. Even doing simple breathing exercises like the take five, you know, breathe in, breathe yes. out, running yeah. your fingers up and down. You're, you're, you probably can't, you can't see it here, but if I'm describing it. No, no, don't it, worry. I've, I've, your yeah, index I know finger, up yeah. your thumb, down your thumb, yeah. up your index finger, down your index mm. finger. And you do that breathing in, breathing out. It's a really visual thing to show a small child mm. how to work on their so breathing. So you're holding your and hand up of, and they're, you're tracing your hand and their breathing is following the movement of you tracing yes. up and down your fingers. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. Um, it's just a useful way mm. to visually bring them back to calming breaths. Um, and that is the other thing about that is it's not just the the breathing, it's the doing it together. It's being calm, being mindful together, being in sync with each other, because mm. that's the thing that is going to reassure the child most. OK. And so I'm kind of going back to what I first said, that will only work if the mom is able to be relatively calm herself. So whatever she's had to do to get herself mm. calm to be able to do that. Mm. And the other thing she mentioned is about the child hitting out or becoming frustrated. Mm. That, again, is almost certainly coming from a place of anxiety. Mm. So I'd be thinking about keeping the same rules that you always have. So they have that certainty and clarity. Um, But always thinking when you intervene in the situation, how how can you connect with your child in it? How can you calm the situation? Mm -hmm. So often the tendency is to to try and um, correct them and keep telling them the same thing. They're not to do this, they're not to do that, or to dole out punishments. And often particularly in a situation when a child is highly anxious, that's just not going to work. Mm. So it's trying to connect with how they're feeling in the moment. If they're hitting out because they're frustrated, try and connect with them Mm. by yourself being calm, getting down to their level if you can, Mm. not over-talking. Often that just increases the anxiety, Mm. but try and diffuse the situation Mm. and perhaps name what the feeling is. So I know you're cross or whatever the word is that you use in your house. I know you're stressed or I know you're cross. Uh, or your brother really annoyed you there. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you, you, they can feel like you understand what they're feeling. Mm. And there's nothing quicker to take the heat out of a situation. Okay. And it actually, it, it probably, it, it makes for a, a better response in lots of ways because it just, they're less likely to act out in that same way five minutes later again. Okay. Um, in, ter- yeah. in terms of... Um, giving a child in that situation a sense of what's going on and kind of um, explaining it. I know this listener said uh, he wouldn't understand an explanation of the virus, but is there a way of, like, should they f- should they be doing anything to kind of explain why things feel different or why the child might be feeling anxious or, you know, to kind of explain to the child this is why this is happening and you know this is why things feel different and feel a bit scary well it's 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 difficult to know depending on what the child's intellectual ability level Mm. and their language understanding Mm. is like Mm. because that really dictates how much they can take in sure yeah um so it's each individual case so if they they may there may be some simple visual supports they can use Mm. um even just the idea about washing our hands and and 
the idea of simple descriptions of germs yeah. rather than a detailed description of what the virus is about. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And then we've been talking about a six-year-old. Would there be anything that you might be recommending um, for younger children or slightly older children um, that we haven't covered here? Or would, be a, would it be a similar approach, but maybe well, with age appropriate? Well, a lot of it will be similar yeah. in terms of the caregivers minding their own levels of calmness mm. and having you know predictability and routine as much as possible that's true for everybody yes. in this yeah. um and similarly with sort of an empathic calm connecting response mm. the only other thing that's kind of useful for the older kids is you can use things like social stories there's um, a lady called carol gray that's developed this way of um of, of teaching mm. children various social rules and they've been adapted to be used a bit more broadly by lots of people in terms of just making a predictable story for somebody about something that's going to happen. So, for example, some of the families that we work with, I've sent out uh, a, a, a social story around what getting a test would like, a swab test would be like okay. and what's involved. Okay. Um, or there's lots of other resources around um, Middletown Centre for Autism um, has lots of resources mm. um, around ways to explain specific aspects of what's going on, the social distancing, what you can and can't do and why. Okay. Uh, and what that might might feel like for somebody. So you can use lots more resources for older children who've got a bit more language. I mean, for most people, children and adults alike, extreme anxiety passes when the threat is gone. Um, and there, there are lots of complicating factors, but for most people, that's what happens. So reassuring them that when the threat is gone for almost everybody, that their their anxiety levels will gradually reduce. Yeah. Um, but also, I suppose, for parents to see this as a time that they can actually really help their child learn a whole set of resilience skills. It's a really precious time when when you can give your child all these skills and practice them and work through them together, enhancing your relationship with your child for one, and two, giving them the set of skills that they will use throughout their entire lives because this is only the beginning of the anxiety they're going to have to face in their lives. And the more they have the ability to understand their feelings, to share them with other people, to connect with other people, even in distress, the, the more they're going to be able to process anxiety and distress throughout their lives. Yeah. Mindful Nation Ireland are working on a project called SUS, the Irish for pause, obviously. Guided practices to help keep us calm and steady ourselves. This sample is read by 11-year-old Nina. Welcome to this sauce, which is Irish for pause. Let's take a few minutes to steady ourselves and, co and connect with one another as we come to terms with the coronavirus. S. S is for stop or settle. So let's start by stopping or depending on what you are doing right now. You can just let everything settle a little bit as you collect your attention. O. O is for open and we open in the most simple way by breathing together, taking three full breaths.
and as your breath resumes natural rhythm, feel the connection of your feet with the ground. If you're lying down, feeling your body against the surface beneath you. S. S is for solidarity with others. Now let's give ourselves a moment to acknowledge everything that's happening in our world right now. With our feet grounded and our breath coming in and out of our body, we start with ourselves, our families, our communities, and everyone across the country and everyone across the world. May we all be well. May we all be steady. May we all be kind with ourselves and each other during this time. I'd like to thank my guests for this week's episode, clinical psychotherapist Joanna Fortune, author of 15 Minute Parenting, The Quick and Easy Way to Connect with Your Child, uh, clinical psychologist Dr. Tony Bates, clinical psychologist Dr. Nicola McGlade, and clinical psychologist Dr. Alwyn Finnegan, sleep consultant Lucy Wolf, who's the author of All About the Baby Sleep Solution. And I'd like to thank Kate Gunn, Sophie White, Jackie Lynham and Helen Steele for talking to me about their own parenting experiences. Dunn Stores are proud sponsors of How to Fall Apart, the support series. We want to keep you safe. Always keep two metres from others when shopping.